This episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Gurus Hang podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson. My guest for this episode is Terry Walburton. Terry is a mainstay in the trumpet world. From his early days at Gerard Nellie's in New York to his current shop in Florida, Terry has been the go-to guy for professionals around the world. In recent years, Terry has expanded his product line to include mutes, horns, and of course, the gadgets that so many trumpet players can't do without. Known as the Godfather, Terry is never without an opinion and seldom sitting still, but is always willing to share his knowledge with others. So pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin! All right, welcome to this episode of The Trumpet Guru's Hang, and I am here with the godfather himself, Mr. Terry Warburton. Terry, it has been a while, my friend. How you doing, buddy? Well, I've got a cold uh, bush beer in my hand. How bad can it be? And I'm COVID-free, so life is great. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, my friend. I'll drink, I'll drink to that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm keeping to my uh, my Latin roots, and I'm drinking tequila today. So, uh, But I also have a cup of coffee just because. So you got to oh, balance yeah, it yeah. out. I had my cup of coffee, but it was at four o'clock this morning. Yeah. Well, you know, people say that you are the hardest working man uh, in the music industry. James Brown, you know, no longer being with us. Uh, you are the hardest working man in showbiz. So, in blow um, business. In blow business. In blow business. I like that. Um, yeah, you've got this incredible, in, let me step back. You have this insanely crazy work ethic. So, um what does your typical day look like? Long. <laughs> well, let me tell you what. After I go wake up the chickens, <laughs> wake me, I go wake them up, and I feed all my guppies, all 2,000 or whatever the heck I got. And uh, then I work in my wood shop, which I have at the house. So let me see. Now we're up to about 5 o'clock a.m., and I'll stay there depending on how many woody mutes I have to make or parts or pieces. And normally I try to get over here to the factory before seven, which is a whopping uh, four miles away. So my commute is uh, pretty easy, especially because I'm here, you know, at dawn. Matter of fact, I see more sunrises than most, uh, well, unless the trumpet player sees it from the other side. Exactly. I've seen, I've seen a couple of those too, but that's another story. <laughs> But yeah, and then I get over here and uh, fire up the machines and start making this or that or whatever. And, uh, you know, with what's going on now, of course, not to jump ahead, but uh, seeing how every brass player in the world is out of a gig currently, and we, who knows when, for how long, I have started to branch out into one of my other loves, as you well know, which is boats. All right. And the, uh, today's project was turning this ugly thing here that I've already forgotten the name of. It goes on a Boston whaler boat. And this is what they look like after umpteen years. And that's what they look like after Terry's finished making new ones for the guy. Ah. So I'm making boat parts of all things. Plus we're actually buying and selling boats and I've got, uh, 
probably half a dozen molds that I've accumulated to actually manufacture boats. And I can't resist telling everybody that by this time next year, we will be warboating. Warboating? <laughs> Not warboating. No, it won't be verboten. No, no, no. It'll be warboating. <laughs> sure. Oh man, I, I thought actually that was a new Pete that you you held up there, like the the Pete double X or something. Yeah, yeah, real manly man. That's a yeah. manly right Pete, there. I would, try to, I would try to hold that thing. The Magnum. <laughs> yeah, Pete Magnum. Oh man, Magnum Pete I. Yeah. Magnum Pete I. Yeah. Man, yeah, well, see, new marketing strategy right there. There's, and that's the thing, man. Uh, you know, for as long as I've known you, you have never been at a a shortage of ideas and b a shortage of projects so uh you know at, at a, i think in in with this COVID situation i you know from my perspective as someone who does a lot of in uh coaching and, and teaching of mindfulness techniques and things like that one of the biggest problems that people have right now is when their work has dried up for whatever reason uh, their main gig, they feel lost because they don't know how to spend their time. But uh, you and I are both kind of cut from that same cloth that it's like. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. That, that'd be the least of my problems is not to figure out which project to work on next. A couple of years ago, uh, my wife, Anne, who you know well, she told me, she goes, can you please not invent anything new until we catch up on making all the stuff that you already invented? So... Uh, <laughs> And needless to say, with the slowdown, actually, we are inclined to go even more crazy because it gives my brain too much free time to think about stuff. Right. So I don't know if you know it or not, but my son, Johan Warburton, good German name, of course, has decided to move back from Italy where he was studying uh, instrument repair and manufacturing with Christian Bosk, who I thank eternally for taking him under his wing and teaching him so that I didn't have to beat him upside the head. So he did learn. And he has now come back just two weeks ago, a week and a half ago even. And he will be joining the company and moving us. I told him I'm going to take it to the first 50 years, which is about four more years, by the way. So four more years of nonstop Terry, and then I might slow down to like 80% Terry. And he gets the second 50 years because he's only 27 years old now. And it's great. And the two of us are collaborating on some different projects. He's become a SolidWorks semi-genius at designing stuff. And we just finished buying a miniature five-axis milling machine. And without giving away all the secrets, so everybody goes nuts. Um before next spring, I will be looking for the Warburton designed valve section manufactured totally in-house and unique to us. Oh my. Yeah, it will not be the normal run of the mill, the way it's been made for 200 years trumpet uh, valve section. Mm. You're the first to know, by the way. Oh, well, that's the most awesome. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. So uh, yeah, we're very excited about this. And it's uh, we just, you know, because of the COVID, of course, it gave, gave us time to kind of rethink the direction, concentrate a little more as mouthpiece sales slow down a little bit. We've ordered a, a uh, plasma cutting table, which will be able to cut out the blanks for the 
trumpet bells, trombone bells. And of course, my son is a French horn player. So of course, he's like, Dad, can we make French horns? It's like, uh, no, but you can. <laughs> Not interested in that beast. He already designed it all, every single part, like 186 parts of a French horn. Holy. He's, yeah, he's already designed them. It's like, well, we can make most of that already. So uh, in the next few days, actually, we're picking up a second bell spinning machine that'll be big enough to do trombone and uh, French horn bells. So we'll be building all that stuff in-house. And my goal is before the end of this year, we will manufacture every single part except the spring and the felts of the trumpet in-house. And the French horn, I think, is next year's project. Oh, man. Uh, you, other than that i don't have any projects going yeah, on i was gonna say yeah i mean there's there's uh you're 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 slacking off terry i, I i've got oh, to... I, you know what i need to take more time off and work on my tan so i get closer to you oh wait uh, a minute no yeah I'm, I'm i think you're probably actually already better than me so I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so well, my tan's better than yours what's going on i just spent way too much time inside so i that that's amazing you know the the amount of work that you've been putting in developing this stuff. I mean, I remember when uh, you you came out with your current line of, of trumpets and, and uh, flugelhorns. I, of course, have I have one of the early, I'm one of the early adopters, early adapters. Uh, my flugelhorn is the James Bond model, if you remember. That's right, 007. Yep, serial number 007. So uh, being able to, to see the progress that you've been making with that and, and to go all in-house, that's a huge step. Yeah, it is, and it's been a goal, and this is kind of giving the opportunity to, and again, a kick in the, in the ass, pardon the expression. Uh, it's a three-letter word, so that's okay. To, uh, you know, to just sit, take the time. I mean, I've got all the machinery to do it, as you well know, and it's only an excuse of like, okay, well, now we have the time, so let's get at it. And, you know, with the addition of my son here, who can, who is more like his father than he would like to think, mm -hmm. he's going to, uh, he's going to help a lot. It's going to, it's going to inspire me to work even harder if that's possible. I'm not sure. Yeah. It is. yeah. Either that or he's going to inspire me to go on the boat more often. Uh, either one of those is pretty good, I think. So. Well, actually, we're going boating tomorrow, so it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. So uh, how are things going with the mouthpiece design? I know, you know every once in a while I, I see something about a new uh, backboard coming up or a new uh, signature top. Yeah, I mean, Ken Titmus, of course, has been designing new, Not, I don't want to use the word oddball, so I'll call them oddball, uh, <laughs> backboards. And every one of them has got a purpose and got a reason and somebody is going to try them all and say, well, yep, that's the one, you know? So, I mean, he spent a lot of time, God bless him, you know, designing a lot of these things and bringing them to, you know, into production. I mean, Kenny was the one that invented the peat, which has become so good. It's copied by the Chinese now. I mean, better than that. I don't know what more compliment you can get. Right. Yeah. That, that's the highest form of compliment. Yeah. And if they had actually copied it correctly, I'd be upset, but they didn't, so I'm not really upset. <laughs> there you go. It's yeah, an inferior pot. Yeah, they tried. They failed. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we're still making thousands of peats a year, thousands, and shipping them all over the world. You know, we're still, thank goodness, we're shipping, you know, to just this week. I mean, it's, you know, Japan to Germany to Italy to Spain. It's like, 
the world doesn't totally shut down, you know, and this is what a lot of people need to remember is like at the height of the great depression, unemployment was 25%, but that means 75% of the people were still going to work. Yeah. The world, the world will go on long after we talk about COVID-19 as that thing that happened, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And uh, those that live develop immunities and life goes on. Yeah. I, I, I actually did saw a video, interestingly enough, about that, um, quote, Spanish flu of 1918, which apparently was not from Spain. I don't know if you know this. It was actually from a Kansas hog farmer boy that joined the army. And from that one kid, the world lost 50 million people. And the only reason it's called the Spanish flu is that Spain, because it was during World War I, they were a neutral country and they reported the number of deaths due to this new disease more than anyone else. And everybody thought, oh, it's a Spanish disease. Well, no, actually, the facts are not there. Yeah. They just got hung with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, somebody's got to take the rap. But, yeah, I mean, that that's the thats the thing that, uh, you know, when you start to understand that the, the, the nature of viral transmission and whether it be in the negative aspect of it in terms of what we're seeing with COVID uh, and with with, with illness-borne viruses. And, and now that we've co-opted that word uh, to mean something that spreads quickly. I mean, there's a there's the positive nature of viral yeah, activity. Yeah, going viral has a couple of meanings. Right, exactly. But it's still the same thing. It's just, it really just starts with one one person and then it's it's a multiplying. It's, it's not an arithmetic progression. It's an exponential progression. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary, uh, but you know, as you begin to understand it more, then you, you have a better ability to deal with things. Um, and also, like when you're talking about the Great Depression, or you, or you just learn to ignore it. Yeah, oh, well, that too. <laughs> Get off uh, your life, you know. But like you're saying with the Great Depression, uh, yeah, I, I'm a, a big student of uh, the methods or the science of success, and so many fortunes were made during the Great Depression, and it's mostly because. Uh, that level of monumental change in a society creates a lot of opportunities. You know, there are a lot of people that, that find themselves in positions where uh, you have to be more creative, you have to be uh, a little bit more uh, forward thinking. And, you know, I, I think that there are a lot of opportunities right now for people to, to come out of the situation way ahead of where they would have been if they had just kept the status quo. And I think you're one of those people that, that kind of has that that attitude of, you know, you're always looking for what can I do, uh, not necessarily resting on your laurels or, you know, trying to get just into that simple routine. Well, since I lost all the weight from the throat cancer, my laurels are a little thin for sitting on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, speaking of that, I mean, looking at it positively in the musical instrument industry, which, of course, is what we're involved in. My fervent hope and belief is that this thing is going to wake up the world to the fact that China is not our friend. The government of China, Chinese people are great. I love going over there. Everybody I've met has been wonderful. 
at Xi Jinping, I'm sorry, he might as well be uh, Mussolini or, or you know, Stalin. It's like, and the people there feel the same way. I saw something the other day where they actually did a poll of Chinese people and said, if the Americans invaded, would you fight for America or China? And 60% of them said America. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, and they have destroyed Elkhart, Indiana, essentially. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the other day, I mean, Con Selmer had to lay off 130 people from their East Lake, Ohio factory, which is where most of the brass instruments are made outside of the Bach trumpets. Right. Ones too, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, but they have literally, there isn't a student instrument made in America. And I'm talking trumpet, trombone, clarinet, flute, period. Not one. That's a sad, sad statement from the country that literally invented band instruments for the world yeah. and production of band instruments. It's, it's really, it's, it's tragic. And at the same time, like you said, this could be an opportunity if we can figure out how to make a valve section without a whole lot of labor involved, then guess what? They got, they got nothing on us. Yeah. They got machines. We got machines. So, they, you know, it's like we don't need cheap labor to make this stuff. If we design it right and figure out how to manufacture it right, I'm excited that we're going to win. And I think that, like it or not, with all this, you know, federal borrowing and stuff, the U.S. dollar quite likely is going to take a crash versus other currencies, which is not unusual. I mean, you know, dollar goes up, yen goes up, you know, yen goes down, euro goes up, euro goes down. I mean, that's just normal. That's the way life is. But with all of this printing of money, it's very likely the U.S. dollar goes down, which means the price of imported goods goes up. The price of Terry's products goes down and the rest of the world goes, hey, let's buy Warburton. They don't cost nearly as much as they used to. And I'm planning for that. That's why Mm -hmm. we're buying more equipment. It's like, you know what? On the other side of this, there could be a rainbow. Yeah. And, yeah. If, there, and if there is one and there's sunshine over there, man, this tan is going to get very, very dark. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And, and that's, that's kind of the way it, it has to work. Um, and then here's the thing, man. I mean, you've been, uh, you know, you've already said that you're, you know, you're an old man, oldish man. Oldish. 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 I used to think being 70 years old, like, that was like an old guy. And guess what? It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, not dead yet. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, you've been in the industry for a good bit of that 70 years. And you've seen a, a lot of stuff happen. Jose, I started in the band instrument business in a music store when I was 17 being a part of the industry, currently being possibly in my wildest dreams, a important part of the industry. And I'm telling you, I look forward to Warburton Industries Inc. Warburton Music Products through my son and Kim and the good employees that are here. There's another 50 years coming up and I'm laying the groundwork for them to just keep on keeping on. Yeah. Laying down and dying is not an option. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I don't see that happening for you because uh, you're just too damn ornery to die. So. And nobody wants me. I can tell you that. You know. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I, I've often believed that. So, with, uh, with the the changes that are that are going on with with uh, with your son coming in and uh, some new directions. Um, I mean, how do you how do you see that playing out for you uh, from like just a, a general marketing perspective? Are you going to start to shift your energies a little bit more towards the the new products? Um, let the let the old stuff just kind of uh, work on its own steam, or are you going to try and spread the wealth a little bit more? I'm not sure I understand the question 100%, but I mean the standard stuff that we manufacture and have been for many years is doing fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and every time we add a product, we do finer. So I think that, you know, the, the growth of the company is involved in continuing to increase the products we manufacture. For example, this small five axis uh, milling machine that I just bought is a perfect machine for manufacturing clarinet mouthpieces. Why not? You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like, that's just another product and you know, we can manufacture clarinet barrels. I mean, if I really got inspired, I could probably manufacture the whole damn instrument. You know what I mean? With the equipment I've got. Why? Not that I want to. Yeah. yeah. Why would that be true? Yeah. I'm sorry. Strike yeah. that. Yeah. How <laughs> was I talking about clarinet? Um, God forbid saxophone. But I did invent a saxophone neck that no one else thought about. So, I mean, I have to, I have to take a bow on that one. And uh, I'm currently working with Con Selmer on uh, collaborating, but I can't let you know everything about that right now. But yeah, I, I think that, you know, my son being a French horn player, of course. Yeah, what do you think's coming next? Yeah. French horns. I can see that coming already. He's already designing the tooling to make the parts to make the French horn. So, yeah, there's going to be, you know, and after that, it's going to be, well, you know, Dad, that spinning lathe, we could make trombone bells. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's make those. Yeah. When's the sousaphone going to come? Uh, hopefully never. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a fiberglass. Yeah, that's right. Right over there in the boat business, that's where <laughs> we'll start with a fiberglass sousaphone. There you go. Actually, that's not as dumb as you say, because now that I know how to make molds, I actually could figure out how to manufacture a fiberglass sousaphone, but I don't want to. How about a titanium one? Uh, I'll pass on that one too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so are you going to still be able to, are you still going to be able to uh, use titanium bells for your horns uh, when you start spinning your own? That is another story that that titanium bell was made for me and the company that made it for me is in Taiwan and it took them a couple of years to figure out how to even make one because I told them they made one for saxophone and it was so incredible I said make one for trumpet and go I don't know if I can do that I said well if you can do it I want it took them two years I kept like how's it going Uh, not yet not yet but when they did, it's pretty kicking. But uh, whether yes. I whether I could do it, I doubt it. I doubt it. I think it's like a whole other whole other thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I'm making them out of brass or red brass or gold brass. I mean, we're going to be doing all of that. We're also expanding the uh, our plating tank large enough to uh, 
to do a trombone bell. And we're also expanding, we're getting a big giant uh, ultrasonic cleaner, big enough to do a tuba so that we can flush out all the little COVID bugs that are living inside the school band instruments, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that, that sounds, I mean, that sounds great. Um, with, uh, with the mouthpiece end of the business, uh, I know that so many people are actually just in parts in general, that there are so many um, people that, that have turned to you for resources, whether it be uh, to manufacture parts for their, for their designs or to uh, basically come to you for mentoring to learn about the processes. So you have this reputation as, you know, the godfather, the, the keeper of wisdom, uh, but also... Uh, one of the things that, that people always say about you is that, you know, you have this uh, openness. Well, you probably shouldn't say anything more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's the openness to share that information. You know, even people who. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, maybe positioning themselves uh, to be, lack of a better word, a competitor. Uh, but, you know, it, it seems like your desire is just to see uh, the quality of craftsmanship uh, of musical instruments, particularly brass instruments, particularly trumpet, uh, be at the highest level possible. So I, what what has instilled that in you? Is there, there anything you can point to in your life that say, yeah, this is what kind of shaped that uh, that part of my personality? Yeah, actually, I, there's a, a very good point. It's uh, when I first decided to manufacture mouthpieces, I was a whopping uh, 24. And I was selling Giardinelli mouthpieces up in Canada and I knew Bob Giardinelli out of New York. And so I called him, I said, Bob, I'm thinking of making mouthpieces. Can I come down and see how you do it? And he went, yeah, sure. Come on down. So my dad and I drove all the way to New York city and Bob showed us around. And I said, uh, Mr. Giardinelli, I said, you don't mind showing me how you do all this stuff. He looked at me in his own Bob fashion and went, no, it's no problem. He says, your chances of being a successful mouthpiece maker are zero to none. He goes, so yeah, go ahead, look around. <laughs> Five years later, he hired me to run his mouthpiece business and to end up taking over the band instrument business in New York City. That lasted nine months before I figured out that uh, New York City was not for me. Green Acres is where I wanted to be. <laughs> so that... <laughs> That didn't work out, but Bob was, you know, very willing to show me anything. And I think that behooves anybody that's achieved the level of success. And you do that in your teaching of karate. I mean, you know, you want your students to succeed. You want them to excel. You know, so like when Tony Rapicuolo from Italy, I talked to him and I told him, I said, come on over, I'll show you anything. And I had him stay at my house and him and his wife and his uh, brother or brother-in-law I think they stayed there for three days I showed him absolutely everything every way we make a mouthpiece and he went back to Italy and he is doing fantastic work he's now making trumpets I mean the guy you know he took the ball and he ran with it all I did was hand it off to him you know and to me it's rewarding you know and Dario Frate another Italian you know I told him I said Any, anything you want to know I'm more than happy to tell you and to show you because I'm not going to be here forever, contrary to popular belief and a lot of people's fears, um, that I might live to be 2,000 years old. I'm, I don't think so, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking a run at it. So far, so good, by the way. 
and I think it's a wonderful feeling to kind of pay it forward and feel like 50 years from now, these guys are going to say, you know what? Terry was really helpful in getting me going. And that in itself is, that's enough. You know, Carl Hammond, I, I got him started and, and he's turned out to be a great mouthpiece maker, very successful and, and still a nice guy. Um, you know, I mean, it's like, it's its own reward. And I'm sure you understand that. Yeah. You know, just like a great trumpet teacher, you want your students to be good. You know, you don't want to like, gee, I shouldn't teach anybody to play. They might play better than I do. That's not a good teacher. You yeah. know, so for me, it's it's, 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 it's it's its own reward. And at this point in life, 70 years old, I look at it like, I'm going to worry about some guy who's just starting out. Not really. You know, I just made some blanks for some kid. He was like, he wanted 25 pieces. Well, you know, my factory is like 25. Are you kidding? <laughs> we do that before breakfast, right? Yeah. It's like, you know what? No problem. I'll do them for you. If this helps you get going, I'm in. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, yeah. I, I, and, it, you know, it's not an exaggeration. I mean, I enjoy it. I, you know, it's like I get as much reward out of knowing that I've helped somebody become better in the industry as me being in the industry, you know, it's, it's not going to hurt me. It's not going to change my life. It doesn't yeah. bother me. Yeah. That's cool. So there, words of wisdom. Yeah. That's Bush talking. Bush. <laughs> uh, no, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting because, uh, I think more so than anybody else, uh, people that are in uh, in the manufacturing design, particularly the, the design side of things, um, that's basically what you're doing. You're, you're, you're trying to make things better for everybody, whether it's other people in the in industry as manufacturers or designers or the musicians themselves or the teachers, whoever, you know, you're trying to provide uh, quality equipment so that everybody's job is that much easier so you know kudos to you for for that and to you know everybody else who's working on that um what's one of, uh, been one of the like the biggest shifts that you've seen in the industry like in the past decade or two when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, there's a tough question. Um, Steve Dillon of Dillon Music and I had this conversation about 20 years ago. And I told him, I said, Steve, look at the industry today and we'll talk about it 20 years from now because it won't be the same. And we had a conversation not a week ago and he goes, man, did you ever see how it would be? And I said, of course, it's going to change. It's going to be different. That's before we saw what the Chinese were going to do. I think if you want to talk about one specific event, I think it's them literally crushing the band instrument business of America. I think that is the cataclysmic shift in the industry 
you know, not, it, it does it affect the, the average trumpet player? Not a whole hell of a lot. To me, it's horrible. It's horrible. And I have to think that in some cases, and I've traveled to China enough to, to see what's going on. What they've done is invested heavily in the latest, greatest way to make something. And in America, the largest corporations that could have spent the money to do this instead didn't. And they still got, you know, 50 year old machines or a hundred year old machines. And they're still doing it the way they did a hundred years ago, because that's the way we've always done it. Instead of thinking outside the box and going, you know what, maybe there's a better way to do this, you know, and the Chinese, I mean, God bless them. It's like, they, you know, they went from having like cheap labor as their strength to investing in the latest equipment as their strength. For example, I was in this one factory, they make clarinets. On one side of the room, they had 20 little milling machines and each one put one hole in a clarinet. And then they handed it to the next guy or girl and they put the next hole. And each one was fixtured specifically just for that one hole. That's what they did. They put a hole. I won't use the word a hole. <laughs> he put one hole in each. <laughs> it was right there. I couldn't help yeah. myself. Uh, that's, yeah, <laughs> it would be the first time. No, or the last. But anyways, the day I'm in this factory, nobody is sitting at those 20 seats on that side of the room. The machines are still there. On this side of the room is two incredible modern CNC milling machines and each machine is loaded with 10 clarinet barrels and all of them turning and have the holes being put in them all at the same time run by one woman. So the advantage they had with all this cheap labor, that's not what's going on now. Yeah. But if you think about it in a positive sense, well, wait a minute. We could buy expensive milling machines to punch holes in clarinets. Okay, well, why didn't we? Why didn't we? I've been to the American factories, trust me. They've advanced a little. They have not advanced at a pace that would have kept them in the game. Mm -hmm. It was easier let the Chinese do it. But I'm telling you what, that's coming back to bite this country in the ass and not just the band instrument business, everybody. Now yep. that we find out that all of our medicines come from there, what are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's so much stuff, I mean, everybody knows it, so much stuff comes from there. And when we worry about jobs or wages, it's like, millions and millions of jobs were lost to the Chinese competitor for good reason, for bad reason. To me, as a company owner, when I go to a trade show, Chinese guys come up and say, ah, I can make that for you. I'm sure you can. I can make it cheaper. I'm sure you can. And I just look at him and I go, excuse me, can you make it better than I can? 
that shuts him up right there. And I'm like, sorry, I'll make them myself. Yeah. I got employees in Florida that need a job. I really don't care about supporting somebody in Shenzhen, you know? Yeah. Nothing, nothing against them. I mean, they're competitors, but guess what? We don't need to help them. Yeah. You know, they're already yeah. kicking our ass. We don't need to, like, give them a boxing glove. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and we've seen that, you know, we saw the same thing happen, uh, you know, in the the 70s uh, with, um, you know, the, the Japanese in the electronics and the, the, the automotive industry, you know, where and Yamaha. I, re- yeah. I remember when Yamaha instruments were like, who, what, what they're yeah. doing what now? I mean, I remember that the early seventies. Yeah. Oh, me too, man. Yeah. So I, hopefully this will be a wake up call for, for some of the, the larger manufacturers to, to step up the game. Um, you know, I know that there are a lot of people, you know, that, you know, people like you, uh, who are the, you know, I don't want to say you're small, you're, you're a global operation, but you know, you're, you're not the, the box, the con Selmer, you're not the, you know, of, of the industry. Uh, but you know, that, that some of the smaller manufacturers are able to do much more quality custom work. And there seems to be a level of, uh, personal pride that's on the line. You know, and when the corporation gets a little too big, then it's it becomes about uh, moving the units as opposed to providing the quality content. So, you know, hopefully we can we can find that that happy point again where where we can provide good quality equipment at a reasonable price. Uh, And, you know, I would certainly like I, I, I prefer to support small business over large business any day of the week because I'm a small business owner myself. So, you know, I, I want to, I want to support the, the little guy, but still you got, you got to be competitive uh, in terms of the quality, you know, I'll pay, I'll pay twice as much for something if it's twice as good, but. <laughs> and, and that's, that's correct too. You know, you, you don't want to overpay and it's not even as good. You know what I mean? And that's one thing. I mean, the Chinese have come a long way in their manufacturing and I saw why. You know, they weren't just like banging it out with farm girls off the rice paddies. I mean, they were, they've got high tech equipment making their stuff now. Yeah. But I have, I have another story. I won't use the names, but uh, a few years back, there was a company going under and they were going to sell off their equipment, which made brass instruments. And I got a list of it and I looked at it and, you know, most of it I could just make myself. So I wasn't that interested in it, but I got a phone call from the uh, owner of the time and he goes, I'm just curious. Why do you think you could make money with this equipment and I couldn't? And I said, well, sir, that's actually a very simple question. I wanted that equipment to make great trumpets and you wanted it to make money. And that was your mistake. Yeah. And that to me is unfortunately, when you look at quote, some of the larger corporations, they forgot why they were doing it yeah it wasn't to make money for the stockholders i don't care if they say well that's your main job that's your that's that's your job make money for your stockholders well no actually your job is to make really great instruments and if that somehow increases the value of your stock then good for you you know i mean jack long the music store owner who i believe is still alive i hope he is a wonderful man Gave me my first job, long-haired, hippie-looking kid, 16 years old, working in the band instrument department, repairing clarinets, by the way. 
and every other instrument, he said it best. Money is nothing but a yardstick of your accomplishments. So try to accomplish something. Don't worry about the money. Yeah. That was some serious wisdom. Yeah, that's, that's sage advice. And I, I've never forgotten that. I, I've always lived by that where it's like, what am I doing here? Am I trying to make money? No, I'm trying to make really good stuff. Yeah. If people pay me for it, well, that's great. But my primary objective in life is to make good stuff every day and to aspire to continue to do that and to help others to do it is, that's like a bonus for me. Yeah. You know, that's just like, wow, that's great, you know? Well, and I think sometimes it's the idea of, of healthy competition um, that, you know, when you have, if you have 10 people who are producing the same product and, uh, you know, you're the, the, the first one of the batch uh, and the other nine start to really up their game, the healthy competition is going to say, wow, these guys are really getting good. I better up my game. You know, instead of trying to push them down, you know, you're using their momentum to to inspire you to do something new and different as opposed to, you know, sometimes we get into the the blame game. We try to push people down, um, hold back information. So um, I think that that we're kind of especially because of the, the nature of social media, the uh, not just social media, but just uh, the way that information can be transferred uh, and transmitted so quickly that. We have the ability to share our knowledge and share our skills and share our passions and find our unique niches in there. And all of us do better because, I mean, the truth of the matter is that as much as you like to work and as much as you produce, you still cannot produce enough mouthpieces and horns and everything for every player. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I'm, I, I don't even want to think about that. Yeah. I don't even so, want to th yeah, it's impossible. So you know what, there, there has to be other small makers. And I mean, this country, America is blessed with a plethora of smaller companies like me, ones that have been around for a while, ones that have not been around for a while, you know, and, you know, Greg Black, wonderful mouthpiece maker. Uh, Trent Austin is, is aspiring and doing a great job in the industry. Um, Mike Corrigan with BAC. Mike is very inspired to do things right, you know, make stuff well. And uh, I'm hoping to collaborate with him on, you know, on making some valves for them. You know, if I figure out how to do it better than they know how to do it, or it's just more conducive, you know, they're busy spinning bells and I'm busy spinning valve casings. You know what I mean? Yeah. One yeah. of our goals, and my son and I have talked about this often, is to become like a parts supplier to small guys that couldn't possibly have all the CNC equipment I've got sitting out in that shop, but they still want to get in the game mm -hmm. and they really don't want to buy a set of valves from China yeah, or, or Germany at 10 times the price. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and I think that that to me is like, it's almost a, a goal. You know, the goal is there in front of me and we need to figure out how to get to it. Yeah. And that to me, it's inspiring. I mean, I get up every day. I can't wait. I mean, the old expression, it's only work when you'd rather be doing something else mm -hmm. means I probably haven't worked too many days in my life. Yeah. 
is I get up and I do exactly what I want to do. And the reason I get up at stupid AM, as I told my son once, I said, you know what I think about every day at four in the morning? What's the other guy doing right now? Yeah. I said, I'm up and working. I wonder what they're doing. Sleeping in? Oh, well. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think, you know, you have to, you think about like competitive athletes or any kind of competition. It's the guy or trumpet playing. Do you get up at eight o'clock in the morning and have all your long tones done by nine? Yes or no? Yeah. You know? And if, you, if that's the case, well, then you better get up at seven and get them all done by eight. And if you really want to get on your game, you better get up at six and get them all done by seven. Uh, and this I'm, is the kind of thing that, you know, you need that kind of an attitude to succeed at anything. I don't care what it is. Yeah. 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 It's like the, 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 the people who have what others want are the people who have been willing to do the things that others won't. Oh, bingo. Or my, one of my favorite expressions is uh, somebody asked Henry Ford, they were saying, wow, you're so rich, man. You're so lucky. And he goes, yeah, you're right. He goes, you know what? The harder I work, the luckier I get. How about that? Yeah. That's a great, I love that. It's like, yeah. imagine that. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It's like, it's like being a trumpet player. Yeah, the harder I work, the better I got. Wow, imagine, you know, really? Duh. That's supposed to be <laughs> Well, uh, you know, you, you've got kind of an interesting uh, dichotomy to your work, uh, where you, know, you have the CNC equipment, you have, uh, you know, you're, you're investing in the technology, but you still kind of have your, uh, your desire to maintain a level of old world craftsmanship. So uh, how do you, how do you manage those, those two? Well, I think some of the old world, world craftsmanship is attention to detail taking your time to try to do it right. You know, for example, you know, one of my favorite expressions is it takes as much raw material to build a shitty trumpet as it does, does to make a, build a good one. What's the difference? It's all in how the guy put it together and thought about how he was putting it together. Same bunch of tubes, same bunch of valves, and one comes out playing like shit, and the other one plays great. It's like, what was the difference? The craftsmanship is the ability to understand that, as I said earlier, I'm trying to make a great trumpet. I'm not trying to make money. Money follows when you do something great. And that's how you have to live your life. And guess what? If the money doesn't follow, then you have to ask yourself, well, where did I screw up? Yeah, well, what's wrong with the rest of the world? You know, it's mean. It's like, what did I do wrong? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's it. You know, you've got to you've got to take ownership for your successes and your failures. You know, so um, failures. What failures? Besides that old seventies mustache, uh, I'm sure that you've had. A, I you're, you're looking you're looking very Floridian, so. Yeah, I should be. Yeah, so I've only yeah. been here forty years now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's uh, that's true. It, uh, 
it has worn off on you. You wear it well, Terry. Um, you, uh, you, know, you mentioned earlier uh, about the, your, your health issues. And um, do you feel that? Yeah, let's talk about that. Do, do you feel, do you feel, I think for me, you know, having, having gone through cancer uh, and being, I, I guess, cancer free now for 12 years, I guess it is something like that. Um, it was still kind of a pivotal point for me uh, where it was just that really quick slap in the face going, yeah, you know, you like it or not, you are mortal. Uh, so did you, did you feel anything with, with, uh, that process that you went through in uh, in your your dealing with uh, the treatments and and the the resulting recovery that uh, has kind of given you a different perspective on life. No, <laughs> that's the right answer. Yeah. To me, it was just a big pain in the butt. I had to go through it. Little throat cancer right out of the blue. You know, sixty seven years old. It's like, excuse me. I mean, you're talking to a guy who's missed six days of work since he was 18 years old. And suddenly you're like, you got stage four cancer. I'm like, I do? So like, you got to be kidding me. Well, what do we do about that? And it was so funny. The doctor's like, well, we can, you know, cut your jaw open and move it over and then cut everything out. And I'm like, all right, is there another option? Oh, chemo radiation. I said, well, I like that one. <laughs> when do we start? And he goes, how's Monday? And I'm like, I'll be here. But, you know, and it was nice that, nice that I went through that. No, it wasn't nice that I went through that. I lost, like, went from 185 pounds, my normal lifetime weight, to 139. So while it was an incredible diet to be on, I don't recommend it for anybody. But the fact that I went through it has helped others. For example, our good friend, you know, Wayne Bergeron just went through the same thing. And we were on the phone every week or two. It's like, okay, what can I expect next? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I've been down that path. I know exactly what's going to happen. Actually, he lucked out. He didn't have it as bad as me. He was like a stage one. Mm -hmm. He never had to have the stomach tube. And uh, yeah, mine was, mine was not user friendly. Yeah. However, I, would, I went through it and it's like, I probably look like hell. I probably felt like hell but I worked every single day right up to when I rang the bell and said, okay, I'm done. That's awesome. It's just another, I look at it as uh, another bump in the road. It was a big bump, you know, a New York style pothole, for example, but um, did it change me? No. A good friend of mine who remains nameless asked me, goes, Terry, does, did this, did this whole experience bring you a little closer to God? And I went, no. Why was he looking for me at that time? If so, he didn't find me, but yeah. that's another story. Yeah, I just, you know, and the doctors at the Mayo Clinic were fantastic. And they even told me, they said they actually talked about me at one of their meetings about the positive attitude and how the doctors themselves have to help the, the people feel that way and and i was you know dr toby says we didn't need to tell you how to feel that way you were like an inspiration you didn't want to you're just like get this over with get it out of my body and let me get on with my life i got things to do yeah he said some people are just like oh woe is me i've got mm -hmm. cancer uh, uh, uh. And he goes they're the ones that die mm -hmm. he said you didn't want to deal with it because it was a pain in your ass and i'm like yeah well that was exactly correct he goes we were actually not surprised that you made it through fine. 
Yeah. Just because that positive attitude, and I've always felt that, that, you know, that, you know, a positive attitude is partly the key to success in life, period. Never mind as a mouthpiece maker, just in life. You have to be able to look at, all right, this is one of my favorite expressions, folks. You have to write this one down. If you spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror of life, you're going to go off the road. And I'm afraid so many people are so worried about what happened like last week, last year. I don't give a shit what happened last week. I'm thinking about what I'm doing tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I'm going boating tomorrow. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. That's a positive attitude. That's true. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, I don't mind talking about my experiences with it. But I'm not one of those people that uh, that it's like that's I carry my cancer card, you know. <laughs> it's like yeah, you, you don't know. wear it like a badge, and I'm like yeah. that too. It's like, yeah, yeah, I had cancer. Yeah, what? Yeah. So, what do you want yeah. to know? Yeah, it's yeah, and exactly. It's it's the thing to me. It's been more about uh, my ability to help people through the process. Uh, you know, it doesn't define who I am, you know, um, yeah, I, just like with you, Wayne, uh, Wayne reached out to me and, and we had some some long conversations about about stuff. And it's just knowing that you can be there for someone else to say, hey, look, been there, done that, you know, rang the bell. I'm got here the to tell the story. Yeah. And so Wayne said, he goes, you made it through and you're stage four. He goes, but then again, you're a lot tougher than I am. <laughs> We've known each other a long time, by the way. I yeah. met him when he was 18. Uh, you met Moses when he was 18, so. Actually, he was, he, no, he was 22. At the 22? Time. Okay, he was legal. All right, so that, <laughs> that's a big difference. All right, well, what do you think, uh, I mean, you, you've done so much over the over your, your career. Um, like, what's the one thing that you look back on and go, yeah, that, that, that was my jam. That was that was the thing that I'm I'm the most proud of, or or the most surprised I pulled off. Having my son. That that was, as I've told him, the first five years of your life were the best five years of my life. And as, as far as the industry goes, every day is exciting. You know, I mean, I was very, I was thrilled that I invented a saxophone neck that no one ever thought about before, you know, and it really does work and it really does play. We don't promote it enough, but I think that's going to change. You know, we're going to put a little more emphasis on that end of the market. I mean, I, I almost wish my kid was a saxophone player, but that's, too, you know, I wouldn't wish that on anybody really. But yeah. that's a that's a hard question for me because it's like I I've just enjoyed you know and meeting all of these great players, you know Doc Severinsen and Herb Alpert and Arturo and and you know I mean I I can't even name them all, you know I mean Ronnie Rom and Marvin Stam and it's like I'd be embarrassed that I, I I've forgotten you know I mean it's like I've been so blessed to have met so many wonderful people, not just here in the States, but I mean, all over the world, you know, right. it's just been a great, great thrill. You know, you go to another country and like, Oh my God, you're Mr. Warburg. And I'm like, yeah. So <laughs> buy me a beer and a steak. 
<laughs> you know, it's like, is that a thing? But, you know, and I enjoy being able to, for example, um, you know, we sponsor the Puerto Rican Grass Festival every year, other than uh, the one with the hurricane and then this one with COVID, but we're looking forward to next year again. I helped sponsor the uh, Brazilian Trumpet Festival, the Jazz Trumpet Festival, great bunch of guys down there. I mean, I love traveling. Uh, there's trumpet players around the world are a wonderful bunch of guys. I'm telling you, I've, I've traveled enough to know it's, it's inspiring, you know, and to think that I, that I've had any impact whatsoever on this industry is as rewarding as anything I can think of. Well, you have made a tremendous impact on a number of people. So yeah, but uh, she's not, she, she didn't file a lawsuit, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah it's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap up with a uh, rapid fire round. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of oh, questions. I love rapid fire. Yes. Let me get out my air 15. <laughs> all right. So let's, let's see how, let's see how you do on these questions, Terry. They're going to be all over the place. Uh, just give me your best and quickest answer. Uh, who's the, who's the biggest influence on your life that is not a trumpet player? My wife. All right. What's your favorite book? Atlas Shrugged. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? I hate movies. I don't see any of them. All right. If you weren't a trumpet player or trumpet manufacturer, I guess I should say at this point, uh, what would you want to be? Dead. <laughs> What's your favorite drink? Well, uh, let me think. Uh, hello? Water. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Water? I don't drink that. Yeah, that's what that beer is. Uh, you and can have too, by the way. Yeah. And Black uh, Russian, just to uh, name a couple. And and your homemade wine. And my homemade wine, which is very very good, by the way. I still haven't tried that, so uh, maybe next time I get down to Florida. Next uh, time we'll give you a bottle of War Vino. War Vino. Okay. Uh, you could have a dinner party and invite any three living people. Who would they be? Honestly? Honestly. Donald Trump. Um, boy, that's the hardest question you've asked so far. I don't like a lot of people for dinner. But that would be one of them. There's so many interesting people in the world. Warren Buffett. Now that would be an interesting guy to me. And uh, I don't know. It could be a smaller dinner party than you thought. There's, there's only two. Okay. Uh, same thing. You're gonna have a dinner party. You can invite any three people from history. Oh, that's an easy one. Thomas Jefferson would be the first one in line. Henry Ford would be next, and Lee Iacocca. Okay. Lacquer plated or raw? That's a dumb question. Next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kim just said lacquer. I barely know her. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's your favorite quote? Oh, I have one of my own or someone else's? Yeah. Someone else's. 
Oh, well, actually, it's one of my own. I don't want to have my nuts in someone else's vice. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't want to have mine in anybody's vice. Thank you very much. And that was the point of the quote, <laughs> by the way. And unfortunately, America's put theirs in China's vice. All right. Uh, what is your greatest fear? Not waking up tomorrow and being able to work. Okay. You could be granted one superpower. What would it be? Live to be a thousand. All right. Um, what aspect of trumpet playing do you feel is the most overrated? Oh, that's got to be tone. No, that's a joke. <laughs> um, playing high notes, it's overrated only because a lot of people don't do it musically. Some do, very few, but for the most part, it's a lot of young kids aspire to it and they really should be thinking about some other aspect of trumpet playing. Okay. What aspect of trumpet playing do you think is the most underrated? Tone. Tone. <laughs> High notes. <laughs> well, let, let me ask, because I normally ask that question, but I want to change this up. I'm going to ask the same question, but I want, you, uh, I, I want your opinion on what do you think the most um, overrated aspect of uh, equipment is? most overrated aspect expecting it to do what you can't that is a big one right <laughs> come on that was good well i mean i thought you 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 uh, installed the the double high c's in in the horns at the factory and i was surprised no the first, the first no the first horn i installed that in i'm keeping it <laughs> All right, you can go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice about music. What would it be? More long tones. Okay. Uh, and while you're back there, you give yourself one piece of advice about life. I don't have to. All right. I've done it exactly the way I wanted to, and the one word that describes it is perseverance. Keep on keeping on. That's All right. right. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, on a CD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a book maybe. A book would be good. A, a book with would be pictures. good. Yeah, with <laughs> pictures. Yeah. And my legacy, I would like. I would like that 99% of people that ever met me after I die would say, you know what? He was a really nice guy. And the other 1%, I'd like to tell them to go screw themselves. <laughs> There's my legacy. All right. Well, I will go Actually, screw no, myself. I'm going to answer that more accurately. I've said it a long time ago. I said it to my dear friend, Philip Biggs, prior to him passing away. I said, Philip, because he asked me that quote, what's, like, what's your goal in life? And I said, I want to be remembered in the same sentence as Vincent Bach, Renaud Schilke, and Bob Giardinelli. 
Well, you are certainly, uh, if you aren't already there, you're on your way towards that. Uh, I'm still young. Yeah, you, still, you, yeah. <laughs> you haven't reached middle age yet. Well, I've got time. Yeah, well, you know, that that is absolutely the truth. Well, I, for one, am certainly looking forward to seeing what uh, the coming year has in store for Warburton uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, Johan coming on board and, and the new things you guys got have got in the works. Um, looking forward to trying out those new valve clusters. Yeah, so, you and me both. Yeah, maybe I can get them retrofitted on my, uh, my Warburton trumpet. No, we'll just build you a new one with our spinner own bells and everything. Hey, you got to do the titanium, man. Oh, man, no, no. I might have to refit your your old one. <laughs> I, actually, I think I want a platinum bell this time. So, uh... Yeah, move on. I think you got to call uh, Harrelson for that one. Okay, I'll get on that right away. All right, well, well Terry. Dave Burnett, Dave Burnett might make that one. I don't know. Eh, you never know. Guys might do it. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of good. There's a bunch of good guys in the industry, and I'm happy and proud to be one of them. That's that's my final statement for the day. Other than I love you, Jose. Ah, well, I miss seeing you, man. It's uh, it's been way too long since we've been in the same room together. I know, so, I know. Yeah, so uh, looking forward to to better days ahead for all of us. So, uh, and Kim, is Kim We're still not hanging? Forward there? To the worst days ahead. There's Kim. Hey, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, if, for those of you who don't know Kim, Kim is, uh, what is your official title now? Marketing and sales director. And today she sold the Mike Vax trumpet, so there That's you right. go. Ah, well, the awesome. Vaccinator. The vaccinator. So, if, uh, if you are in need of something from the Walburton line, Kim is the person you're going to probably end up talking to, so... Uh, you can put a face to the voice or to the text or email or Facebook message, whatever it is. So, all of the above. All of the above. All of the above. So, um, yeah. So, good luck to the Walburton team. And, uh, you know, go Team Walburton. Hashtag Team Walburton. I go with that. Yeah. I appreciate it, Jose. Thank you so much, my old friend. And uh, both of us are getting older, but that beats the alternative. So. That's what I say. All right. So, thanks you uh those of you who joined us for this episode and uh, if you have any questions about anything you need to know anything about Walburton information uh, just use the link that's going to be in the story notes talk to Kim she'll be able to answer any of those questions that you have and uh, hook you up with some good Walburton gear so uh, until the next episode thanks for hanging out with us peace and slide grease we're out hey thank you so much for hanging with us today this podcast is all about creating connection through a mutual love for the trumpet life. I hope that you learned a few things about today's guest and had some laughs along the way. Don't forget to give us a review. We love those five-star ratings. And please share this podcast with your friends. We want to see our hang grow for show. Have a suggestion for a future topic or a guest? Hit me up at thetrumpetgurus at gmail.com. Our opening theme was written and performed by Lexi Signor and all other music comes courtesy of the greatest funeral ever. So in the words of W.C. Handy, life is like a trumpet. If you don't put anything into it, you don't get anything out. So go out there and let your trumpet sound, and I'll see you at the next hang. <laughs>